Here is a sermon message from Somerville Community Baptist Church. To hear more sermons like this, please visit iloveSCBC.org. Good morning, church. I'm glad you have joined our online service of Somerville Community Baptist Church. I'm David Lee, and I'm here to preach the gospel. It is always my greatest joy and honor to talk to you, to using the word of God, to encourage you, uplift you, sometimes challenge you, and give you a comfort during this very difficult time. Can you believe it's been already over seven months? We haven't had our in-person service here after the outbreak of coronavirus. You know, I actually had one in-person small group meeting this past Thursday uh, with the Francesca's group. We had about eight people. As you can see on this picture, we were able to gather, of course, keeping our social distance, wearing masks. But as you can see, they're all smiling right now, you know, behind the mask. But we had an amazing time. And we realized uh, what we've been missing out. Oh my God, these all in-person gatherings, in-person fellowship that we took for granted, uh, it was so precious moment. It was so invaluable moment. You know, we talked about our life for the last seven months after the outbreak of a pandemic, pandemic price crisis, and really learned, and which also saddened my heart, that there are a lot of things really changed, impacted, and even being destroyed. For the last seven months, you know, ever since this breakout of coronavirus, for only within seven months, you know, over 200,000 people died. And over 8 million people being tested positive with coronavirus in our nation. Globally, over a million people died. And over 41 million people being tested positive with this virus. You know, it's not only the virus that really impact our life. It is also kind of outcome or byproduct of this coronavirus. This coronavirus spread and transfers so fast, but there are this outcome or byproduct of this coronavirus, such as anger, such as, you know, anxiety, fear, worry. Those are the ones who are actually outpacing this coronavirus, really impacting and destroying and changing our lives. There are so many deaths and sufferings in our church congregation and their family members. And as I was reflecting on how they died and went to heaven, you know, I thought without this coronavirus pandemic crisis, they would probably live longer. I thought of uh, Nancy's death. I thought of, uh, you know, Heather's brother, Dale. You know, I thought of, uh, you know, Roy's father. And all those who are, they could have probably lived longer without this whole pandemic crisis. But this lockdown, being isolated, and not being able to have the socialization or fellowship, not being able to even see their own family members, I'm sure that really hit hard on all of us. As a result, we are dealing with this worrying, fearing, and also anxiety in our life. There is a psychiatrist named Dr. Edwin Hallowell, and he wrote a book very simply called Worry. That's the title of the book, Worry. And in his book, Dr. Hallowell, he talks about a little equation for how people have worry. How people have worry. He said this, when there is increased vulnerability, when there is decreased power, worry grows. 
As you can see in this, uh, you know, your screen, that equation, when we feel more vulnerable on certain circumstances, and when we feel less powerful upon them, we tend to worry more. He says that worry is not a direct product of the circumstances. The rather, worry is a direct product of our belief about how vulnerable we are and how much power we have access to. Let me give you an example. Um, raise your hands. How many of you are afraid of flying in airplanes? You know, my hands are up. I can assume that some of your hands are being raised. How many of you are afraid of being on an airplane? It was actually joy for me until about six years ago when I took this plane from Seattle after I saw my grandparents and back to the Boston. You know, this downside of this domestic flight is they're not flying high enough. They're very vulnerable on these jet streams. And it was one of the worst weather and one of the worst moments. In a four, five and a half hours while I was on the board, I felt like I was on roller coaster for five and a half hours. I was just holding my rail firm and I prayed throughout whole those five and a half hours. You know, I became the better prayer after this play. But after that, I started afraiding of being in an airplane, having this thought of oh, what if this flight is falling out of sky? When I shared that before, one of my friends came to me saying that, don't worry about David. Listen, you have much more of chance of getting in a car accident on a highway than this plane or the plane falling out of the sky. So don't worry, right? I get it. But according to this equation by Dr. Hollowell, and there, there is a reason why more of people are afraid of getting on board or flying in airplanes than driving in a highway worrying about getting an accident. Why? Because when you are on board, when you're getting on a fly, airplane, there is increased vulnerability because you are all way up in the air not knowing what to do, right? And there is also decreased power, decreased in control because you don't know what's happening behind that thick, you know, the pilot you know, the pilot door, even though you actually have access to it, you have no earthly clue what is happening because there are tens of thousands of little tiny devices have make no sense based on your and my knowledge. That's why flying in an airplane has a lot more worrisome than driving on a highway, worrying about getting an accident. You see the equation? Increased vulnerability with a decreased power that you bring more worry to your life. Let's say, you know, someone that you love, deeply love is sick, and there is nothing that you can do about it. You feel so vulnerable, and at the time, you feel so powerless, right? Because you have no cure, no clue about that sickness. That's why you worry more. Let's say your wife is actually distancing herself from you and you've been trying to restore the relationship, but she keeps going and going away from you. You feel vulnerable. You feel out of control. Now you start worrying. So when we go through these difficult times, when this worry, fear, anxiety hits in our lives, what we do, we often let those worry Anxiety, fear lead us to kind of overcome our life, right? Make us this kind of this defeated mode, depressed mode, or self-pity mode. 
And if you are honest with me, I'm sure everyone struggles at some levels with this concept of worry or concept of fear or concept of anxiety. Now, at least that is not the case to Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul, he was going through the season of extremely difficult times. Instead of he chose worry, but he chose different strategy. He chose joy. He chose joy. Think about that. You know, his circumstance is perhaps one of the worst worrisome circumstances, right? Remember the equation? Increased vulnerability. Now, he's behind the bar and in, in this house jail in Rome, not knowing what's going to happen. And history tells us, you know, he, he was most likely killed, you know, during toward the end of his prison time in there. Increased vulnerability, not knowing what is going to happen. Decreased in power. Because he's been chained to the Roman guard. He's been, everything's been really restricted in that house jail. Of course, there's a lot of reason that he would become worrying and worrying and worrying more. But instead of he choose to worry, he chooses to joy. You know, last week we started this series called Finding Joy During Difficult Times. We talked about the fact that Paul is writing this whole letter you know, while he was in prison. And even though he was in very vulnerable, seemingly powerless situation, he chooses joy. Even though his personal power is limited, he recognized that who is in charge. We learned that he was able to find joy through this covenant fellowship that is called koinonia or holy unity, which was perfectly or which is perfectly depicted or explained the second chapter of the book of Acts about the life of the first church. You know, he was able to find this joy from this anticipation of God who began a good work in you and me will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And today, we're going to continue to look at how Paul finds joy despite his difficult times. And my title for today's message is this, questions that help you finding joy during difficult times. Questions that help you finding joy during difficult times. And I have two joyful questions that I'd like to teach you so you can apply this question to your life and hopefully finding joy regardless of your circumstances. Here's the first question that I think we can glean from Paul's words here is this. How can God use this? Would you say that with me? How can God use this? How can God use this perhaps struggling circumstances? How can God use this difficult, seemingly impossible circumstances? You know, Paul starts a little section here with verse 12. Verse 12 says this. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. So, what has happened to Paul? He's in prison. He's awaiting trial, possibly for his death. But Paul is saying that, I want to tell you that I am joyful. I am filled with joy because what has happened to me is serving to advance the gospel. Paul is saying, you know what? My imprisonment is actually using for a good thing. 
You know, my plan as Paul is actually going to Rome. This is my final destination, final plan to going to Rome, plant the church, spread the gospel, and it will be end of my ministry. I learned a lot of experience. I learned how God used me from the place in church like the Philippians, churches like the Corinth, churches like Thessaloniki, churches like in, you know, Ephesus. God used me to plan. God used me to spread the gospel and, you know, the, started the ministry of the church. I know God is going to use me in this room, but the reality is exactly opposite. He is finding himself behind the jail, behind the bar. Not doing anything. He can do anything because he is powerless. He, is, he has no control over his life. But when he asks this question, how can God use this? Reflecting on that question, he was able to see this amazing, amazing statement. Now, I want you to know that, brothers and sisters, what has happened to me has actually served, advanced the gospel. And there are two examples that he shared. He was grateful. He was joyful. The first is found in verse 13. Verse 13 says this. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guards to everyone else that I am in chain for Christ. He says this whole palace guard and they're finding about Jesus because of my imprisonment. I never expect this way. And I never even thought this is going to happen. But God used my worst time. God used my most difficult times and difficult circumstances actually still do good. Spread a gospel. That's when I found greatest joy. I mean, think about that. Paul is being chained 24-7 to the prison, Roman prison guard. You know, until this person, this guy shift is over. Let's say that eight hours and after there, and there's another guard coming and being chained to the pole. Paul is saying here, I've used this all opportunities as I'm asking how God could use this circumstance. As I ask what Jesus Christ would do in this circumstances. He started preaching the gospel. He started preaching the gospel. I can probably picture this. He'd probably say this. Hey, buddy, to the chain, the Roman guard, right? Did I explain you, by the way, this bridge illustration about the gospel? Oh, I did? Let me remind you, because you're in chain for the next eight hours, we have nothing to do. You know, there is a God, there is us. You know, we are always connected, but because of our sin, our sin, we're separated. There is a huge gap in between God and us, but with the grace and mercy of God, He sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, to fill the gap, put this beautiful bridge so that we can go to God through Jesus Christ by receiving Him as our own Savior. He probably preached to that prison guard multiple times. He probably would say this too. You know, by the way, did I tell you about four spiritual laws? It's another way of actually doing the evangelism. Oh, let me just remind you. Let me just teach you again. He's been doing this over and over and over again. And I believe by the end of this, each prison guard shift, they are wondering which one of them is in captivity, right? Paul used... Every single moment, even the worst possible circumstances, as he was asking this question, how God used this, what Jesus Christ would do. And finding out that because of his imprisonment, this whole palace in the prison guards are hearing and receiving Jesus Christ. And he was able to find the greatest, greatest joy. There's another example here in verse 14, which says this. 
And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord. And they're all the more to proclaim the gospel with fear. There are these other Christians in Rome. You know, my plan, my initial original plan, my final destiny is here to encourage them to spread the gospel, to talk about Jesus Christ. But because of my imprisonment, because of my imprisonment, now they are so bold. They are confident in the Lord. They're emboldened by this message that I'm sharing them through my imprisonment. And Paul is saying here, when I heard and saw how God used my difficult times and difficult circumstances to advance the kingdom of God, oh my God, I've got this overflowing joy. Yes, I am struggling. Yes, I'm suffering. But when I am looking at how God is using even difficult time of my life, difficult circumstances to advance the kingdom of God, to advance the gospel, oh, it brings me greatest joy. Brothers and sisters, what are you going through right now? I have no doubt you're going through a very difficult time through this pandemic crisis. Perhaps your relationship, your mental health, your emotional health, your spiritual health, your financial health, and everything. Perhaps you're going through a very difficult time. But I want to ask you to ask this question as you are walking through a very difficult moment of your life. How can God use this? Or what would Jesus Christ do in my circumstance? As you ask this question upon your life. And then as you act upon the question. And I believe you'll be able to find the greatest, greatest joy. Like Apostle Paul did. Now, the second question that we have to ask to find joy during our difficult time is this. What is the win-win? What is the win-win here? Okay, when you are going through some time of struggle, I think it is critical to follow Paul's logic that is laid out here. And he's basically saying, what is the win-win here? In fact, would you say that with me? What is the win-win here. He said this, if I have God on my side and he has my best in mind, then what is the worst that can happen to my life? Because this is a win-win. In fact, Opposite Paul, he takes one extreme example all the way to his death. Here in verse twenty. One, one of the most perhaps famous verses in the Bible, which I'm sure that you can memorize this very short and simple as this. For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. In fact, would you say that with me? For me, to live is to Christ, to die is gain. He says that even I get to live, it's a win. You know what? Because I can get to connect with you guys. You know, you, the Philippian church, the people that I love, I can get to watch you guys grow in spirit. I can get partner with you to advance the gospel again in Philippi, even here in Rome. He also said, even if I die as a win, I might die here. You know, death in Rome is a real possibility. And as I said, and the history tells us, it tells us that eventually that would happen to Paul. 
Paul says this, if I die, then I'll go to the place where there is no more tears, no more sorrows, and no more sickness, and no more chains. There is no more thorn in my flesh. Remember the apostle Paul prayed three times because of thorn in his flesh, because of his physical sickness. He prayed three times and God says, my grace is sufficient for you. And my strength, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Basically, you're good enough. Deal with it. All this pain. You know, finally this thorn is going to be removed from my body. When I go to heaven, there is no guilt, no regret, and there is no remorse. And especially, I get to see my Lord Jesus Christ. You see that? Even if I alive, even if I die, as Oh, win. Why? Because there is our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a God who is always on my side, who always leads me to this triumph, this victory. There, is a, there was an evangelist named John Rice. I don't know if you heard about him. He was an evangelist in Texas in the beginning of the 20th century. And he started getting notes from his rivals saying that he needed to stop preaching Otherwise, they would kill him. And he gave this amazing, amazing response. He said this, you can threaten me with heaven. Say that with me. You can threaten me with heaven. I love that. You know, John Rice, missionary John Rice said this. You know, I've got these cool, good options. There is no way I can be losing as a win, win. Like Paul says here, both options are good because either way, either options, God is still with me. God will use me, lead me, make me to experience this great triumph. I don't know about you, but as I was reading this, you know, to leave is Christ and to die is gain. I feel like I don't think I am quite there yet. You know, really, like, you know, the death is just as good options as living so I can be joyful. How in the world? How could Paul be so spiritual to be able to say it's a win-win? I don't care either, either I'm alive, either I'm dying or I got killed because it's all good. For the glory of God. And the reason I think that Paul was able to say this. Um, and is this. And we can find these clues on why. He says this from verse 18 through verse 19. Actually halfway through to the end of verse 18 through verse 19. Says this. Christ is preached. And because of this I rejoice. Yes I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers, number one, through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus, Holy Spirit, that is the second reason, and that's what has happened to me, will turn out for my deliverance. Through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me, right, and will turn out for my deliverance. Paul says here, because of your prayer support, because of the provision of God by the Holy Spirit, because of those two things, I can view this current circumstance as win-win. Amen. I love it. Which also reminds me of uh, another statement that Paul said a very similar thing, which is taken from Romans chapter 8, verse 28. 
I'm sure many of you know, perhaps one of the most famous verse in this book of Romans, Romans 8.28. Let's read all together, in fact. And we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Paul says it here, we know that in all things. Notice this passage doesn't say all things are good. No, not all things are good here. There are bad things, but what this passage says here is that God works good out of all things. That means your bad things and your good things because he has a power to be bringing bad and turn into good. Which means he has a power and provision using mixture of your good and bad of your life. Easy and hard and difficult and also blessings life and your life. God can put them together. All things for good of those who called according to his name. Right? God can make good from in. You know, it's like ingredients going into the recipe. You know, each ingredient might not be good by itself. For example, you know, let's say that we, we make this some chocolate cookie. How many of you love chocolate cookies? I mean, Grace's favorite. I got too addicted to it because of Grace. And some of these ingredients that I actually look it up because I've never baked. That's not my area. And he says that some of the ingredients are one and quarter cups of butter or margarine, you know, two cups of white sugar, and then two large raw eggs, and two cups of all-purpose flour, and, you know, and then exazera. Now, let's imagine, let's imagine, just hypothetically, don't ever do that, don't ever do that. Let's imagine that you are taking each ingredient individually. Let's say you're taking one and quarter cups of butter. You're drinking. Now you melt it or you're even choosing the solid butter. Oh, it's just disgusting even thinking about it. You know, let's say you are taking these two large raw eggs. Just crack it and put it into your mouth. Oh my God, it's gross. How about you're taking, you know, having this all-purpose flour, two cups. It's even choking. I feel like I'm choking me by even thinking about it. You see that? All this each ingredients, it looks, it doesn't look delicious, right? It doesn't look tasty. But what happened is when you put all these things together and mix them together and put them into oven, after some time of bake, it became amazing, delicious chocolate chip cookie. Do you know? Do you know God is like that? God is our master baker. God knows and God has ability to take the bad, 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 and some good and good things of your life and make them good somehow. And that is what Paul is saying here, the Romans chapter 28. That is what Paul is saying here and also first Philippians in today's passage. That's why it's going to be win-win. It doesn't matter as you are going through a difficult time. It doesn't matter as you are going through this all smooth and blessing time. God can put them together somehow like this great master baker. And God has a power. God has ability. And God is willing to use even your worst possible circumstances and turn that into his great, great work. That's why Paul says it's a win-win. To live is for Christ. To die is gain 
It's a win-win because God is in charge. God is a master baker. God has the ability to mix up my bad and good and worse and worst possible circumstances and turn them into the great product to spread the gospel and to deliver the gospel. That's why I was able to find joy. That's what Paul is saying here. Brothers and sisters, I'd like to end the sermon right now. You know, we are walking in the very difficult time we're walking, feel like it's such deepest, um, deepest, deepest valley, right? There is no light, you know. There is seems like there's no hope. It's a very difficult because of this lockdown, not being able to see each other, being isolated. We're being really hit hard because of this coronavirus, mentally, spiritually, financially, emotionally, and also relationally. Difficult times. Not to mention, without a doubt. But I would encourage you to ask these two questions as you are walking through the storms of your life, especially right now. Ask this question, how God can use your circumstance? What Jesus Christ would do in my circumstance? And as you reflect upon that question and act upon it as you learn the lesson. And also ask this question, what is the win win upon my circumstance? And as we ponder that question, knowing that God is in charge, God is our master baker, and God is the one who is capable and willing and, and loving and eager to use your circumstance, not only give you a comfort during that time, and putting all those difficult and good and bad things to make good things for our life. Ask this question as you are going through a difficult time. I hope as you are asking these two questions, you'll be able to find a great source of joy. Source of joy from our Father God. Amen. May God bless you. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you. And thank you for this lesson. As we are going through difficult times, perhaps very difficult times during this pandemic crisis, May we ask these two questions. How can God use this circumstance? And what is the win-win um, out of this circumstance? As we contemplate and reflect upon those questions, may we find this overflowing joy that only comes from you, our Abba, loving, caring Father. We pray for all in our the only Savior, Jesus Christ's name, and God's people said, Amen.